Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. You should consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence and base all financial decisions on your specific situation. The show is furnished by Edelman Financial Services, a registered investment advisor. Rick Edelman is also a registered representative and principal of Sanders Morris Harris, an affiliated broker-dealer member FINRA SIPC. This is an encore presentation of The Rick Edelman Show. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Now... Here's Rick Edelman. And a very happy Thanksgiving holiday weekend to you. I'm Rick Edelman. I've had a wonderful time this holiday season. Hope you are as well. It's going to be a fabulous one. Uh, for the first time ever, my family's been together at our home. Yeah, first time ever. Thanks, everybody, for finally showing up. I don't know how many decades it's taken to get them all together, and I know what they're going to say next year. Been there, done that, and it'll be another 30 years before they come. But it's been a wonderful time. We're having a great uh, holiday weekend. Hope you are as well. And this has been a great opportunity to talk finance with your family members. So I hope you're really doing that. In fact, we want to put together today a special emphasis on the women in your family. Your wife, your daughter, your mother, your aunt. Our staff's off for the weekend so they could be with their families. I want to, therefore, to feature a show for you that we did this summer with David Bach. David's the new vice chairman of Edelman Financial Services. David, of course, one of the leading personal finance experts in his own right, one of the leading authors, 11 books, I think. He's a top New York Times bestselling author, 7 million copies of his books in print. David's been on Oprah six times, a weekly uh, expert on NBC's Today Show for three years. And with David's experience in the financial issues facing women, his One big claim to fame is book, Smart Women Finish Rich. The theme of the seminar we've been presenting this past fall that we're going to bring back in 2015, we thought you would find this information both interesting and really, really valuable to you and the members of your family. So I hope you'll enjoy today's show. And remember, you can reach us on Monday or anytime during the week, 888-PLAN-RICK. Visit us online at rickedelman.com. And I want to start off with a survey that came out earlier this year that shows the importance of financial literacy and the benefits to you. The study is from Wharton School's Pension Research Center. Wharton School of Business, part of the University of Pennsylvania, one of the premier business schools in this country. A very crucial study that tells us what, frankly, I have always known. And, frankly, I'm willing to bet you've known it, too. Financial literacy helps to increase your annual investment return by 13% per year. Over a 30-year working career, that means the amount of money you'll have in your retirement account will be 25% higher than it otherwise would be if you weren't financially literate. Now you know why I've devoted 
pretty much every weekend for the past 23 years to providing you with this radio show and why I do my television show on public television for the past three years and why I've written eight books and do hundreds of seminars and a monthly 16-page newsletter and a massive financial education website and on and on and on. We are devoted to the notion of financial literacy. According to Wharton's study, though, they now have quantified the value and benefits of understanding personal finance. According to the study, investors who are financially literate, they know to look for lower fees. They contribute more of their salaries to their retirement accounts at work. They have more of their money in stocks. They're more willing to have volatile holdings. That volatility doesn't scare them like it does the uninitiated. And as a result of this, lower fees, saving more, and investing in the right places, those three mean they end up with returns that are 13% higher per year than other investors, translating to a massive increase in future wealth at retirement. So financial literacy is the beginning and the end. It's what this whole field really needs to be about. And I've been on that crusade. My wife and I started our firm, Edelman Financial Services, so many years ago with the goal of providing financial education, leading to now the radio and TV and books and seminars and newsletter and, and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, i got to admit, I am not the guy who has done the biggest and best job at reaching the most number of people in the field of financial literacy. There is uh, There are a few others who have done uh, some effort in that area. I mean, I've sold a million copies collectively of my books. Um, I'm a number one New York Times bestselling author, but I've sold, I'll put in quotes, only a million copies. Robert Kiyosaki has sold 26 million copies. He's you know, gotten famous with the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, basically how to get rich quick by flipping real estate. We all know how that turned out in the credit crisis of 08. Then there's Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey, both talking to what I refer to as the young and the stupid, uh, people who are basically trying to get out of debt. Dave and Susie, predominantly debt counselors, teaching you how to get out of debt. I don't frankly think that's the proper primary goal for financial planning. I don't want you to get out of debt. I want you to create wealth. That's what really matters. Debt is a byproduct. Yeah, credit card debt's bad, but that doesn't mean all debt is bad. Mortgages are pretty powerful financial planning tools. Paying off your home is not the proper goal that you should have in mind. Creating wealth is. Susie has sold around 10 million books. Dave Ramsey, about uh, 4 million books. And then there's David Bach. David is uh, a former financial advisor, started his career a long time ago back in the 90s at Morgan Stanley, built his uh, investment management financial planning practice to about a billion-dollar practice, one of the largest in the country. And when he decided to quit his investment practice and become a full-time educator, uh, his books, The Automatic Millionaire, Smart Women Finish Rich, Smart Couples Finish Rich, and others have frankly outsold me seven to one. David's books have sold seven million copies. He is, uh, I think, widely recognized, more so, much more so than me. And quite frankly, I haven't been able to find any flaws in any of his books because David, as a financial advisor, having worked with individuals one-on-one, -on -one, understands what it really takes to achieve long-term financial success through proper financial education and financial literacy. And it's been bugging me, quite frankly, that David has had far greater success than I have in penetrating the American populace with his financial education. He's been working on it full-time, I've been working on it full-time, and yet he's had a better job at it than me. 
So what am I going to do about it? Well, it's real simple. I'm going to introduce you to David Bach. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to this program, Mr. David Bach. Wow. Well, Rick, uh, first of all, it's an honor to be on your show, and that is probably, without a doubt, the nicest introduction I've ever received. Um, I have watched your career, my entire career. I consider you to be the leading financial education expert out there in addition to myself, and it is really a thrill to be here on your show, which I know you've been doing for 23 years. It's hard to believe that we could be in an age that we've been doing this this long. But We won't go there. <laughs> um, and not only uh, is David appearing on this program today, it's not just that David is appearing on this program as a guest right now. David Bach is now the vice chairman of Edelman Financial Services. Uh, we have partnered together to put our financial education activities together to reach more and more people as best as we possibly can. We have uh, been we've known of each other for. I don't know, 20 years, ever since we both uh, hit the scene with financial education activities. And we have been in sync. You've been saying uh, everything in your books. And David, other than a single sentence that appears in only one of your books, <laughs> which we've been joking about, and we'll see if anybody can help figure out what that is, uh, we have been completely aligned in the nature and the advice that people need to be uh, receiving from a financial uh, perspective. Why, David, did you, as a financial advisor, take the path that I took which was to recognize that education is the foundation of a financial planning practice. Because let's face it, there are 300,000 investment advisors out there, several million stockbrokers, right. tens of millions of insurance agents and real estate agents and mortgage brokers. I don't know of anyone other than you and me, a practicing advisors, who have set education as the cornerstone of the practice. Why'd you do it? Well, as many people know, if you've read my books, I'm, I started off as a strange kid. And, that, and the reason that is, is that I started going to investment classes at the age of nine. And, <laughs> and people go, how do you go to an investment class at nine years old? Well, what happens is your father's the one teaching it. So my, my father was a stockbroker. He's been in the business now, I don't even know, over 45, 50 years. Um, I, my dad built his business through financial education. So my father taught a five-week adult education course on investing. At nine years old, he dressed me up in a suit and tie, took me to his classes. I would, I would hand out the flyers and sign everybody in. And at the breaks, people would come up to me and, and, Rick, tell me how my dad's classes had changed their life, how they had been able to put their kids through college because of the education that they got from my father, how they had been able to retire because of the education from my father. And so time and time again, I got to see, wow, first of all, my dad's pretty cool. He's changed all these people's lives. But what had happened to me was that because I would go to these classes every week with my dad, and the deal was, David, sit in the back of the room, be quiet. I'll take you to Baskin Robbins at the end of the night. That's a great bribery for a nine-year-old. <laughs> you know, that was what got, you know, but it was, it was a way for me to hang out with my father. But by the age of 12, I found myself teaching my friend's parents how to buy tax-free municipal bonds, which again, you know, that's very strange. But it also shows that it really isn't that complicated. If a 12-year-old can figure this out and explain it to others, anybody can. Well, and really, literally, I am sitting at my best friend's dinner table, and the parents are arguing over the, the rate that they had just renewed a CD. And so at 12, I found myself saying to this doctor, you know, Dr. Ross, um, there's really no reason for you to be even arguing over a CD because we all know that CDs actually stand for certificates of depreciation. And in your tax bracket right now, there's a tax-free municipal bond, AAA rated at 9%. And he looked at me like, what? Who, who is this 12-year-old kid that's talking about these things? But really... Financial education is like any form of education. If you were not taught how to read, you would not know how to read. If you were not taught math, you would not know math. 
And the biggest reason people fail financial financially, and you and I both know this when we talk about it, is it is a lack of financial education. And unfortunately, we don't teach it in schools. We need to teach it in schools. It's the most important thing that is missing in our school system. But until it is taught in schools, it takes people like you and I to be on these crusades where financial education is where it starts. And that's exactly why we have decided to partner together to enhance and expand the level and amount of education we're delivering to you. And we're going to spend this program talking to you about all of that, including, when we come back, David's particular focus on women and money. Stay tuned for more with David Bach, Women and Money, when we come back. More with the advisor whose firm serves over 25,000 clients, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here with my very special guest and vice chairman of Edelman Financial Services, David Bach. David, thanks for joining us. Great to be here with you. Thank you. And we are taking your telephone calls, AAA Plan Rick. You know, it's really fascinating. David and I have been uh, paralleling each other over the past 20-odd years in the field of personal finance. David has been extremely successful at at getting financial education into the marketplace in in a wonderful way unbiased, objective, independent advice and education for consumers. With an emphasis, I should also add, uh, David, you started out uh, with women and money. That was uh, a major title of yours a long time ago. And there's a study that came out from Financial Finesse, uh, their gender gap study in financial literacy. According to their study, women are approaching their finances more proactively. They're using financial wellness programs in the workplace twice as much as men are. And as a result, the gender gap in financial literacy is narrowing. Both men and women are improving, but women are making improvements at a faster rate. And in 2013, women made improvements in every area of financial planning in their knowledge ahead of men, except for investing in money management. Women still lag men 13 percentage points in their knowledge base when it comes to investing and uh, money management. Why, David, have you chosen to focus so heavily on the concept of women and money, and why does there need to be a difference in how we approach the subject of personal finance in women versus men? Well, you know, Rick, it's it's amazing because, again, again this goes back to so much of how I grew up. My, my family's destiny was changed because my grandmother, at the age of 30, did what these women are doing, which is that she went out at a very young age. She was she was poor. She was living paycheck to paycheck, and she decided she wanted to be rich. And she started taking investment classes. And over her lifetime, she became a millionaire. And she taught me, along with my father, she taught me how to buy my first stock. I actually bought my first stock at age seven in McDonald's, my favorite restaurant in the whole world. Like every seven <laughs> And my, I wouldn't take my kids there probably right now, but... Back at that age, my grandmother said to me, you know what, David, you can learn how to be somebody that owns this place versus somebody who works here. And so financial education from a woman in my family was the norm. But when I came into the business alongside my father, it was 1993. In the first month on the job, I sat in multiple meetings with widows where I watched my father have to teach these women how to write checks and read brokerage statements. And I saw so much pain in their eyes and so much hurt. And it was such a bad time to be learning about money. And I turned to my father and I said, Dad, I don't understand this. What is going on? Why why are you teaching them and why are they learning now about money? This is the worst possible time to be learning about money. 
And he said, you know, these are very traditional families and the men are managing the money. And I said, well, Grandma Bach wasn't like that. She was the one who managed the money. And he said, David, not all women are like that. And I said, Dad, what I want to do is I'm going to create a course for women and money for our women clients. That's literally how it started. It was 1993. Nobody was doing seminars for women and money. And my dad, to his credit, said, look, if you want to try it, do it. I don't think anybody will come, but try it. And we had, Rick, 225 women clients want to come to our first workshop. The hotel we rented could only fit 100 people. I had to rent the hotel up three separate times. Our Christmas party, which was our annual gala for our clients, our client appreciation event, we would usually get about 100 clients to come to that Christmas party. So with that first seminar, what I realized very quickly was that women wanted additional education on money. And that really changed my entire course of my career because from that point forward, I never stopped teaching women in money programs. And unfortunately, Wall Street has been very sexist uh, in its attitude toward women. Let's face it, there are not very many women working in Wall Street relative to men. I don't believe I know of any women as CEOs at any of the major uh, Wall Street firms. Uh, The number of women who serve as financial advisors and stockbrokers is under 20% of the total uh, advisory community. Uh, Women are often treated as second-class citizens. uh, And in fact, that's been parodied uh, by Hollywood. Uh, Check out this clip from the movie Boiler Room. Now, there's two rules you have to remember as a trainee. Number one, we don't sell stock to women. I don't care who it is, we don't do it. Nancy Sinatra calls, you tell her you're sorry. They're going to call you every day wanting to know why the stock is dropping, and God forbid the stock should go up, you're going to hear from them every 15 minutes. It's just not worth it. Here's a clip from Seinfeld. So you understand how my Peterman stock options are going to work? I'm going to the bathroom. It's just very interesting. Yeah, when it's your money, it's fascinating. Oh, I got your coffee. Oh, okay, let me, uh... Yeah, nah, it's on me. Okay, listen, guys, I'm going to be late. I'll see you, okay? Yeah. Bye. You see what just happened here? What? She treated me to the Arabian mocha job. And you misinterpret this how? <laughs> She's sticking it to me that she makes more money than me. I'm sure she was just being nice, buying you the coffee. No, not nice. She's sticking it to me. You're crazy. Yeah, sticking it to me, Jerry. George! Sticking it! <laughs> Heaven forbid a woman is a uh, – remember Mary Richards, <laughs> the old Mary Tyler Moore show? <laughs> totally. Heaven forbid a woman is independent and successful and definitive and able to master her own personal finances. Men get threatened by this. Men are pejorative about it. Men don't want to hear it. And let's face it, when we look at the, the seminars that are offered nationally – by brokerage firms and insurance companies and, and investment advisors aimed at women. I They have been, in my experience, the most condescending, insulting set of circumstances. They take the attitude that women don't know what they're doing, that they can't grasp these concepts, that they'll never be able to master this on their own. It's ridiculous. And that's not been your approach, David Bach. And when we come back on the program, we're going to talk about why you feel there's a difference between how women need to handle money versus how men handle money. You'll be fascinated by the content you're going to hear from David Bach. Stay with us for more on The Rick Edelman Show, 888-PLAN-RICK. Visit us at rickedelman.com. Stay with us for more with David Bach. More with the publisher of the newsletter, Inside Personal Finance, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show.
Thanks for joining us this Thanksgiving weekend. We're featuring highlights of a show we did this summer with David Bach, who's the author of Smart Women, Finish Rich, and, of course, the vice chair of Edelman Financial Services. David's a... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Strong proponent for women when it comes to personal finance issues. Uh, David Bach, uh, nationally renowned uh, personal finance educator. How many bestsellers? 12 bestsellers? 12, 12 national bestsellers, nine consecutive New York Times bestsellers. Just so everybody who's listening knows, Rick has asked me to brag on this segment. So I just want you to know, and normally you will not hear me uh, pumping my chest like this. But, uh, but I'm insisting because <laughs> why would I bring on as a uh, colleague to help facilitate our financial education someone who isn't better than me? Uh, so um, one of the things that is so fascinating is that you have built your career, as you mentioned, on women and money. Now, this is really interesting. I want to ask you a question. Are you a woman? <laughs> or is it possible that perhaps you know someone who's a woman? Uh, maybe you've, uh, I don't know, met one one day. Uh, may- maybe you um, had, had a mom. mom. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're married to a woman. I, I don't know. Uh, but if-, if-, if in any chance you are either a woman or you know a woman, maybe your sister is a woman, although it would be kind of hard for your sister not to be. <laughs> um, I, I, I should change the subject before I get into trouble here. Uh, this, this information is really of value because so often I have found that when Wall Street attempts to do a seminar or any kind of content on women, it is condescendingly insulting in every way. Your emotional... Um, you um, react to uh, things. You uh, you're you're too dumb to get it. Women are bad at math. I mean, ju- it's just ridiculous kind of stuff. David, you have made a career to a large extent talking to women about money, but your perspective is totally different from what Wall Street normally says. Yeah, I, I don't understand what's wrong with all these these guys out there in, on Wall Street. You know, when I first started, when I decided to teach that first seminar, Smart Women Finish Rich, I actually t- had to take it to management, get it compliance approved. And I was actually told by management that I shouldn't even teach the seminar. That, again, no women would come. There's no money in women and money. Um, you know, just forget the idea. And thank God I didn't listen because... I believe there was a need for financial education for women. I believe that there was a need for a book for women and money. That's why I wrote my first book, Smart Women Finish Rich. And you know, we had a lovely event, and we both had our mothers there. And it's funny because I, my mother came up to me, and she's like, you didn't tell the story about why you wrote Smart Women Finish Rich. And, and part of the story is that my, my mother was sharing with me a story of her best friend. She had a best friend who had been married for 30 years. And after 30 years of marriage, the husband had an affair, and the husband left her with nothing financially. And as she was going through the story on how her best friend had signed second mortgages and didn't realize it and had let all the money basically be taken away, I literally looked at my mom and said, I have to do something about this. And that first seminar that I taught, my mom came, my mom brought her friend, and I just looked to these women and said, look, they're, they're, you, they're, when you talk about women and money, so much about, about this is about protecting yourself. 
And there's only a handful of things you need to protect yourself against. The biggest single thing women need to protect themselves against is that they're going to live longer. And I'm all for living longer. In fact, women don't die anymore. But what we know on average is that... <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean women don't die anymore? <laughs> well, you know, I always joke like, the fact is that women they live an average of seven years longer than men. And they, and they marry men that are older, right? So, like, both of my grandmothers outlived their husbands by an average of 10 to 15 years. One of my grandmothers outlived two husbands. When you go to a nursing care facility or you go to an elderly care area, what you'll find is that 90% of the, of the people that are there are women. That's because they live longer. They take better care of themselves. So You know what the, the joke I make is that men die, women break. <laughs> well, one of the reasons is that men don't go to the doctor on a regular basis. But we can do a whole thing later on longevity. The key for women to know is this. You're going to be retired significantly longer than your husband if you're married. And because you'll be retired longer than your husband if you're married, and even if you're not married, you will be retired longer, you need to simply have more money in savings. And the double whammy for women is that often they are putting less money into retirement accounts, and that often is a result of taking time off from work to have children. It's, it's unfair, but right now the only people who can have children are women, and it impacts their careers often financially. So what I have gone out and constantly taught is you have to save more, you need a better plan in place than necessarily your husband. Often, if you're a woman, the financial plan is significantly more important for you than your husband because you will be the one to know whether that plan worked out or not. And this is what drives me crazy about so many husbands because predominantly the husbands are taking care of the investments. They're managing the investment decisions and so on. And many times they're rather cavalier about it because they're cocky. I know about investing. I've been investing all my life. I'm managing the accounts. Everything is fine. My wife will be okay. No, your wife will not be okay because when you're gone, and 80% of the time the husband predeceases the wife, when you're gone, she will be clueless about how you've been managing the money because you haven't shared that information with her. And you cannot set her up to be in that situation. So much of this, I, I tell men, if you love your wife, listen to this very carefully. You need to ask yourself a question right now. If you've got a woman in your life and, and, and you love her, Ask yourself if in 10 minutes you passed away, what does she need to know financially? And if you really stop down and think about it, what does she need to know financially if you pass away in the next 10 minutes? She needs to know everything. She needs to know where's the will, where's the life insurance, where are the retirement accounts. She needs to know everything that impacts your life financially. That's where you start. It's not so much as you start talking about the stocks and the bonds that you have in your portfolio. It's making sure that, like, look, my, in my family, we have a binder. If something happens to me, my wife goes to the binder. She pulls the binder out, and everything that's related to our life financially is sitting in that binder. My father has that binder. Now, ladies, you can create this binder. Often it requires sitting down together and getting everything organized. But it's, that's often the key place that you start. If something happens to you in the next 10 minutes and you're gone, what does your wife need to know? That's where you start. So this is where I find things very fascinating. You know, the Harris is the big uh, survey research firm. They came out with a poll asking couples how they handle their money. 29%, according to this poll, have lied or would consider lying to their significant other about their finances. One out of three have lied or would consider lying. 49% say their financial information is none of their partner's business. <laughs> Seriously? It's none of your husband's or wife's business about your financial information? And these these other two survey results kind of shocked me as well. 68% say it's important that their partner pay for them or treat them financially on occasion. 
26% said it was very important that this happened. Now, wait a minute. If, if it's yours, mine, and ours, why would it make any sense for your spouse to treat you financially if they're going to be treating you with your joint money? I mean, what difference does it make? You're both paying the bill. I don't care who writes the check or who sends off the credit card payment. I, you know, so we're seeing a disconnect here, David, aren't we, over how people are managing and handling money within a household? Well, we do see a disconnect. It's very interesting. My second book, Rick, was Smart Couples Finish Rich. I wrote that book because women were coming back to me and saying, I can't get my husband to talk to me about the money. And I want him to talk about the money, but whenever we talk about the money, we fight. And what I found, and, and this is it's fair doubt in all the statistics, but I found it in nine years of being a financial advisor, is that when people would come to me in the process of divorce, I would often ask the question, was the number one source of fighting in your marriage money? And inevitably, like nine out of ten times, Rick, the client would say to me, yes. That's before they came to me. And so what I've seen is that, you know, we, we always hear this, but that the number one cause of divorce is fighting over money. And the problem with money is that the fights are regular because the bills come every two weeks. So the fastest way to fix a marriage that's maybe not as passionate or has gotten derailed is to actually, in my experience, it's to fix the finances. And, you know, I always tell the men out there, happy wife, happy life. A great place to start is to fix your finances. When you work on your finances as a couple, as a team, you can overcome anything and you have a much better chance of, of succeeding. That's where I want couples to come together. So this conversation has nothing to do with women being too emotional or bad at math or inferior in any way. This has simply everything to do with understanding the fundamental economic and social realities of our nation. Women live longer than men. Women spend less time in the workplace than men. We still have income disparity and inequality in this country. Women earn less than men even when they're in the same jobs. Women, as a result, are going to be entering retirement with less money. Odds are they're going to be entering retirement alone. And as a result of all of this, women have no choice. You must get engaged. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the financial planning and investment management activities of your household, and you must insist that your husbands permit you to do this. And if you're the husband, you must include your wife in this exercise and process, and you must do so from the outset. You'll have a happier marriage, and you will become wealthier as a result. There's a shocking study that was released by Harris Interactive, one of the big survey research firms. 10% of Americans who are married, 10% say their spouse or partner, if they're unmarried that have a partner, 10% of them say their spouse or partner is a financial bully. Men and women are equally likely to say this. In fact, 22% of married couples who are aged 22 to 34, 22% of them say they would divorce if money was no object. Here are red flags to help you understand whether or not you may be involved with or married to a financial bully. Your spouse or partner withholds money from you, even if it's your money. 
Your spouse or partner blocks you from a bank account or credit card account. Your spouse or partner makes you explain even minimal purchases and demands to see receipts. Your spouse or partner threatens to leave you, knowing it will cause you financial stress. Your spouse or partner makes you feel guilty about your money habits. Your spouse or partner puts you on an allowance and bans you from using a credit card. Or your spouse or partner doesn't let you go shopping by yourself. All of these are red flags that you may be involved with a financial bully. A lot of couples fight over finances, but financial bullying only makes it worse, and it's not going to go away until you stand up for yourself, until you get help and you open up a healthy line of communication with your bullying spouse or partner. If you suspect any of that, uh, contact one of the uh, self-help lines, one of the um, domestic partners abuse shelters, talk with a therapist, a social worker, call a financial advisor. You don't have to tolerate that. When we come back, we're going to talk more with David Bach, one of the best-selling personal finance authors in the country, and take your telephone calls as well, 888-PLAN-RICK. If you need bigger, more elaborate, broader help, we'll be happy to do a free portfolio review for you. We'll look at your portfolio and tell you if the investments you own are you're paying too much or taking too much risk or suffering returns that are too low. And if you need a full-blown financial plan... Triple H Plan Rec. Whatever you need, whenever you need it, we're here for you. Triple H 752-6742. Visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. More when we come back. More with the host of the PBS TV series, The Truth About Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. You're listening to The Truth About Money. David Bach, one of the leading personal finance educators in the country, 12 best-selling books, and uh, compared to my only eight. Uh, and um, we're very, very excited uh, that David is with me here on the program uh, all of today. And so what, the, what does this mean for you? It means you're going to see even more financial education coming from uh, Edelman Financial Services. Welcome back to David Bach. Uh, we have another survey from LIMRA. LIMRA is uh, uh, the Life Insurance Marketing Research Association, and they came out with a study that said 57% of middle market American households, that's basically all the people you and I talk to all the time, 57% of them are not saving regularly. If they've got children under age 18, 69% of them are not saving regularly. Half of middle market Americans, I'm not talking about the poor, we kind of get it. We understand that the poor are not saving money. Why not? Well, they're poor. I mean, that's, you know, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. But middle class Americans, 50% of them say that if they encountered a $5,000 emergency, they wouldn't be able to pay for it. Half of all Americans would not be able to write a check for five grand right now to pay for an emergency. 33% of them have 25 grand in debt. In addition to their mortgages, one out of third owe twenty five grand or more. What are your thoughts on this, David Bach? It's scary, and I, I was just thinking about you know I had a, I had a radio show a while back, and I, I asked a question on a radio show once: How much money would it take to change your life? And I expected to hear back fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, a million dollars, and the number one answer we got was that ten thousand dollars would change the average person's life. 
And so I wondered, how is that possible? Then we went in and we did a bunch of research. We found out that one in three Americans have less than $1,000 in savings and that the average American has about $10,000 in credit card debt. So it, it, these, these statistics always shock me. And yet, as you and I spend so much time on financial education, I'm always looking for the good news. So here's where I see some good news. The savings rate before the recession, 2007, the savings rate in this country was negative. The savings rate today is 4%. Now, I always like to equate savings to minutes per hour that we work. So I've always taught people, look, forget the percentages because people sometimes they gloss over with percentages. Think about this. You go to work at 9. You're going to work from 9 to 5. On average, you're going to really work from 9 to 1 to pay your taxes, really really 9 to 12 to pay your taxes. It kind of makes you want to come to work after lunchtime. But what I like to get people to think about is this. You should take the first hour a day of your income from 9 to 10, it's tw- which is 12% of your gross income. But you should take the first hour a day, whatever you earn, that's what you pay yourself first. That's the amount of money that needs to go into a retirement account. Unfortunately, the average American is only putting 20 minutes a day of their income away. And what I say to people, and I've been saying it for years, and I started by saying, you know, this was on Oprah. I said, why would you work? a full day and not at least keep one hour a day of your income. But what we know is that people who save by budgeting and discipline do not save. It is people who save automatically that have success. I've said this uh, forever. My first book, The Truth About Money, I said budgeting is a complete waste of time. It does not work. Nobody does it. Look at Congress. They have a budget every year. That doesn't work. (laughs) Nobody who attempts to budget succeeds because a budget is a promise of how you will spend money. Life gets in the way. Also, budgeting doesn't work for couples because here's what happens in the real world. In the real world, we are born one of two ways. We either born to spend money or we are born to save money. We literally come out of the womb that way. And inevitably what happens is we marry our financial opposite. I always say, you know, you you walked into a party, you saw somebody beautiful, you thought it's sexual chemistry. No, it's like a magnet. You were just attracted to your financial opposite. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very hard to do a budget with a couple. And And then they spend their whole (laughs) marriage fighting over that fact. That's right. Now, sometimes the only time I see people uh, come together where they're the same is if there's two spenders. You rarely see two savers come together. And two spenders coming together usually equals bankruptcy. So... I tell couples, forget the budget, throw that budget out, decide on a percentage or an amount of the day that you will save automatically. If you can agree to that, you can change your life. Here's one last thing I'll tell you. The study right now that just came out, and I forget who, I think it was, I can't remember who did this, but just the other day I was reading a wealth study, and 90% of Americans save less than 4% of their income. But 8% of Americans, the ones who are really wealthy, save 12% of their income, and the ultra-rich are saving over 30% of their income. So if you just want to know, what's the basic number I need to try and hit? It's at least 10 to 12% of your gross income. If we could get people to make that change over their lifetime, we could absolutely take away the worry and fear that people have about retirement planning. Creating wealth is far easier than you expect, and it's only because of a lack of education that you aren't doing a better job at it. And that's why we are focusing so heavily on financial literacy and financial education and why David and I are on this crusade together. We're so very excited about it. Here's the one piece of good news out of the Limra study. I mean, yeah, they said that most Americans can't even pay for a $5,000 emergency, but here's the good news. 75% know that they need help, and they say they do want to learn more about savings options and strategies. That's the good news. You can't solve a problem until you acknowledge that one exists. You can't solve a problem until you demonstrate a willingness to, to attempt the, the resolution. 
So we're very excited to be presenting this content and information, and you're going to be seeing a lot more in seminars, a lot more content on radio, television, in our newsletter, on our website, audios, videos. We'll be doing a lot of YouTube activity, a lot of tremendous opportunity for you to get the personal finance information you're going to need. And we invite you to get the help that you need at the same time by contacting one of my colleagues at Edelman Financial Services with offices all around the nation to help you and your family achieve your financial goals. 888-PLAN-RICK. Dial us up anytime at 888-752-6742 or visit us at rickedelman.com. Stay tuned for more with David Bach when we come back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Providing personal finance advice for 25 years. This is The Rick Edelman Show. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. Thanks for hanging around for Hour 2 of The Truth About Money, our special holiday Thanksgiving show. I'm Rick Edelman. Families are getting together this weekend, so we're focusing on the women in your life, your daughters, your mom, your aunt, we're featuring highlights of the show we did with David Bach this summer. David has a wealth of experience on financial issues facing women, and we thought you would find this info really, really valuable to you and your family. And maybe it'll prompt a conversation for you to have. We're going to take some telephone calls, and this is your opportunity to talk with David Bach and me and get your personal finance questions answered. You know the drill, investments, taxes, mortgages, insurance, college planning, retirement planning, buying houses, leasing cars, getting out of debt, you name it. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll, we'll discuss it with you and get the info you need. You know the drill. If you're unable to get through on the telephone, because we've got a lot of folks uh, who often dial in, we've got a couple of phone lines open right now, a triple eight plan Rick, but if you have trouble getting through during the show, not a problem. Call anytime during the week at 888-752-6742. That's uh, 888-PLAN-RICK. And my colleagues and I will respond to your phone call, get the info you need answered to get all of your personal finances in order. You can also visit us uh, at my website, rickedelman.com. Click that red button. I want to talk to an advisor, and we'll get you the uh, response to your email right away. And if you prefer... You can hit that green button and go to Edelman Online and deal directly with our investment management services without any human intervention. So you can access just as uh, hundreds, I think more than a thousand uh, folks have established accounts at Edelman Online because they just need to get our investment management advice at their own choosing. You know, midnight on Thursday or uh, 2 a.m. on Saturday, whatever you want to do, Edelman Online will enable you to do it. David, there was a. Uh, there's been a, a big movement by regulators. It started with a GAO survey uh, last year. The Government Accountability Office did a secret shopper series of surveys at some of the biggest mutual fund companies and brokerage firms in the nation to determine what is it that people are saying to employees who are leaving employment. They're retiring or they've quit their job or they've gotten fired and they have a 401k and they go to a big mutual fund company or they go to a big brokerage firm and they say, 
should I roll over my account to an IRA? According to Cerulean Associates, $321 billion left company retirement plans and went to IRAs. IRAs now hold $6.5 trillion. That's more than is what is held in 401k plans in this country. And yet, there's concern by the federal government, the SEC, and FINRA, the two big regulators of the brokerage industry and the mutual fund industry, that firms are using cold calls, internet ads, storefront signs, cash incentives to convince people to switch money from their 401k to an IRA. Bloomberg announced the results of a three-month investigation that employees of major companies like Hewlett-Packard, UPS, and AT&T have complained that mutual fund sales reps and brokers at big brokerage firms have lured them into rollover their 401ks into unsuitable IRA investments. Talk about that, David. Well, I think that, you know, that's the key word, right? Unsuitable. Um, but before we even go right into unsuitable, here's an interesting statistic I just read. 35% of people who are leaving their companies are cashing out their 401k plans. Which is the far worst choice of all. There could be nothing worse. So if anybody who's considering leaving their employment right now, one thing we, Rick and I do not want you to do is cash that plan out. There are a lot of reasons to do a 401k, an IRA rollover. Uh, in most cases over my career, I've recommended that people do rollovers. The key, though, is to do the rollover correctly. And when you talk about the wrong investments, I mean, the other day I had somebody come to me and say, you know, they were in a great 401k plan. They there were a lot of reasons for them to do that IRA rollover. The problem was they came in contact with somebody who sells fixed indexed annuities. Or non-traded REITs or other high commission products. And so sometimes these, these, these products have literally to the, to the broker who's selling it to them a 10% commission. And it's the wrong investment for someone in that IRA account. So this is why you and I spend so much time on the need to find an unbiased full-service, fee-based financial advisor, because what just pains me is to see people taken advantage of. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people who are out there taking advantage. I mean, billions and billions of dollars have been going to non-traded REITs. Those, in my opinion, are often very risky, hard to get out of, high commissions. Um, the commissions are you know, often double what the expected annual rate of return is on that investment. And we have to always wonder what is the motivation of the advisor or the so-called advisor who's recommending this to you. So in response to uh, the government regulators who are concerned about abusive sales practices, we would fully endorse and support their efforts. This does not mean that you should never roll over money from a retirement plan at work to an IRA. What it does mean is that you need to make sure you understand the implications, consequences, risks and expenses, as well as the benefits of doing so. If you do it correctly, you can obtain greater investment flexibility, providing better diversification, which translates to lower risks. Depending on the investment choices in your current retirement plan at work, you may be able to substantially lower the fees. You may be able to improve on the bureaucratic limitations that your current employer or former employer imposes on you. So yes, it can often make a great deal of sense. But that doesn't mean that you can just blindly sign a bunch of paperwork without understanding fully exactly 
what you're doing, what's going to happen, how much are you going to pay in the new investments, how much risk are you going to be taking, what are the tax implications, is there liquidity, and most importantly, what are the conflicts of interest that the broker has who's telling you to do whatever it is he or she is telling you to do? Is it possible that the broker is going to make more money from the transaction than you will? Very often the answer to that is yes. So it all, again, like everything else in the field of personal finance, comes down to education. If you have money in a former employer's retirement account, if you are leaving your employer and are looking toward rolling your account over to an IRA, make sure you talk with an independent, objective, fee-based financial advisor, someone who can give you objective, unbiased advice that is in your best interest. If you don't have an advisor like that to talk to, give us a call, 888-PLAN-RICK, either now or any time during the week, and my colleagues and I at Edelman Financial will evaluate your situation and help you determine what is the best course of action so that you have full disclosure, full information of the risks and the rewards of considering the options available to you with the money that you've got. Uh, David, you made a really interesting point when we were talking during the break that people spend an entire career working really hard to set aside some of their pay into their retirement plan, and through hard work and diligence and dedication, they managed to put together several hundred thousand dollars. And just at the point they were ready to retire and have this big bucket of money, the lifetime worth of saving, they hook up with an unscrupulous broker, and in a flash, that money can be squandered due to bad investment advice. And that's your worst fear, right? I mean, that's you know, we're talking about the fact that a lot of people have read our books, listened to us on the radio, seen us on TV. They've done everything right for 20 years. They've paid themselves first. They've saved money automatically. Then they've got a quarter of a million dollars in savings or maybe even more, and now they're getting ready to do a rollover, and they go to the wrong seminar. They get the wrong advice. They have somebody who's puts them in one of these high commission products that's not liquid. And that one decision can ruin their life financially. So we want to help you avoid that fate. We want to help you fix that problem. And that's why we're here. Triple eight plan, Rick. If you've got calls and questions about these issues, your retirement, how to save, what investments to choose, how to generate income in retirement, and much, much more. Triple eight seven five two sixty seven forty two, Or visit me at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Click that green button. I want to talk to an advisor. Stay with us for more. One of the nation's largest independent investment advisory firms coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here with my special guest, David Bach. David, the new vice chairman of Edelman Financial Services. Together, we're going to be providing ever more financial literacy, financial education services to help make sure you get the information you need to achieve you and your family's financial goals. David is a powerhouse in his own right in the field of personal finance, 11 national bestsellers compared to, I only have eight. Uh, And uh, one of the reasons I wanted David to come into the studio with me today is because according to the Social Security Administration, the average woman in America who's retired receives about $1,000 a month from Social Security. The average man gets about 1300 a month. 
What do you think about that? Well, I think this is the number one reason why women need to take charge of their financial future sooner, sooner than later. Because here's the issue for women. What affects women financially is this. On average, when you look at these statistics, women are taking nearly, there's 10 years off for both childcare and now elder care, whereas men are taking off about two years from the workforce. So what's happening is today women are, are basically getting less money in retirement accounts and less money in Social Security. Because they're not working as long as men, they're not earning as much as men, and so they get lower incomes. Now here's what's scary when you look at Social Security statistics. $1,000 a month is not a lot of money. We know that. That's why we, want our, that's why we want people out there saving more money. But what most people don't realize is that when you look at women over the age of 65, of women in this country would reportedly be broke without Social Security. So the real lesson here for anyone who is listening, especially ladies for you, you need more than Social Security to have a decent retirement. And that is what I find so shocking is that so many people are so dependent on Social Security. I don't think anybody really plans on living on a thousand bucks a month or really looks forward to that being their financial future. And yet we find that there's not a lot of conversation about this, either in the context of what you're really expecting to get from Social Security or the incredible difference between men and women because women are earning less in the workforce and not spending as many years in the workforce. And those are the bases on which your Social Security check is calculated. And that's always been that those two statistics and and this whole framework, David, has always been a huge element of your seminar, Smart Women Finish Rich, which you started presenting nearly 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, all, all the way back in the early 90s. And, and the message back then is the same message today, which is whether you are married, widowed, single, divorced. I don't care what your situation is as a woman. The time to take control of your financial future is today. Many women, unfortunately, wait until something happens, whether that is a divorce, whether that is their husband suddenly passing away. You do not want to be reactive. And so what I did with Smart Women Finish Rich was create a program, really fun, super simple, entertaining, that you could come to for less than two hours and take a clear look at what matters most to you financially in your life, look at your values, your dreams, and build a financial plan around that. There aren't very many financial advisors or or financial authors that I agree with. That's why I've written all the books I've written, because (laughs) I remember back when I started doing this radio show back in the uh, early 90s, people used to say, Rick, what book can I read out there? And my answer was, I don't like any of them. I've read them all, and I really don't like any of them. And that's what got me into writing my own books to provide the kind of advice and in Uh, the kind of presentation that makes it interesting, fun to read, and really uh, helpful and informative. And David, yours are really the only books that I have found where there isn't any disagreement between the two of us, which either means the two of us are absolutely (laughs) crazy and out of our minds because we're not in agreement with too much of what else is being thrown onto the uh, consumer public, but it's just really, really refreshing. Triple Eight Plan Rick, call me anytime you like, not just now during the program, anytime during the week. Call us on the phone. We'll answer your question. We'll solve your concern. If you need a full-blown financial plan, we'll bring you in. If you need us to manage your assets for you, we'll do that for you, too. We'll help you. But if you just need an answer to a question, we'll give you an answer to a question. For, we won't charge you for it. We'll be happy to do that. Triple Eight Plan Rick. Visit us at rickedelman.com. Click that button. I want to talk to an advisor. We're heading off to Wilmington. John has made it back. He picked up the phone. Welcome to the program, John. Thanks for hanging in there so long. How are you? 
All right. Thanks a lot. Great, great show. My mother was the financial manager in our home as a result of that. My three children went to school and are debt-free because of her. Kudos to mom. Um, we'll give, we'll give mom the applause of the day. It all begins yeah. with the moms. Um, now, on the, uh, the Obama uh, health care subsidy, um, uh, it is based on your household income. Is that correct? Not just earned income, but total household income. Is right. that right? Yes. Okay, so pensions, annuities, all that goes into the calculation whether you're eligible or not. Is that right? My understanding, yes. Okay, so here's the question. I'm at a little low point in earnings having recently retired. Later, when some uh, pensions kick in, I will go up. So now I have this little period of time where I could move money from a regular Roth to a regular IRA to a Roth. Mm-hmm. However, if I do that, um, uh, there's a point where I'll kick myself up above the right. threshold for right. the subsidy. Right. So the question I had was, if you have an opinion on that, I, I could move a little bit into the into the Roth, but if I move too much, my subsidy goes away. You know, you, you're raising a really important point, and I'm glad you are. Very often, people make financial decisions in a silo. They look at one particular notion, and they make what appears to be the best decision for that without taking into consideration the implications of that decision on other aspects of their financial planning. Here you are trying to figure out the best way to handle your retirement accounts, but you recognize that if you shift money from an IRA to a Roth IRA, it's going to create an implication on the cost of your health insurance. And that is fabulous. I'm glad you're recognizing that, John. We see people, they make a decision on college savings without recognizing that the implication for their college savings has a huge profound effect on their retirement savings. They'll deal with a mortgage without regard to their ability to buy a new car, which they're eventually going to have to do, and so on. So I I can't answer your question directly because I don't know enough about you. We need to know an awful lot more about your income, the amount of money you have in the retirement accounts, how much money you're planning to move over, what your actual tax brackets are projected to be, and where they're going to be in the future. So you're a wonderful candidate for sitting down so that we can analyze all that data for you in great detail to arrive at the sweet spot, to determine what is the best strategy, taking everything into consideration holistically. So you're the poster child for the financial planning process. The important point I want to convey here is the need to approach it from that perspective because we so often find people make a series of correct short-term decisions, but they add up to be one big bad decision. So you're asking the right questions. Unfortunately, here on the radio, we can't tackle it in the sufficient detail necessary to meet your need. So I'm going to invite you to call us during the week where we can spend a couple of hours together and tackle all the data, all the individual uh, data points to make sure we're getting you the comprehensive advice and information that you need to make the right decision here. But you're answering it correctly, John, and uh, you're, you're approaching it from the right perspective, and that's the key point. All right. Thank you, guys. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for calling. When we come back, your telephone calls on the program, 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. Dial me up right here, right now. Investments, taxes, mortgages, insurance, college planning, retirement planning, buying houses, leasing cars, getting out of debt, whatever's on your mind, we're going to talk about it. Or visit us at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Click that button. I want to talk to an advisor. We'll return your call during the week, respond to your email, and help you get the answers you need to all your personal finance issues. 888-PLAN-RIC. Visit us right now. Call me right here. 888-PLAN-RIC. Stay tuned.
Need a second opinion on your investments? Get a free portfolio review at rickedelman.com. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here taking your telephone calls at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. We're heading off to Baltimore. Fred's on the program. You're on the air, Fred. How are you? Rick, great show as always. I listen to you guys all the time. Thank you. I have a quick question, if I, if I may, Rick. I have a, a retirement account from a previous employer. It has about 50000 With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dollars on it. What would you recommend that I do with that? At my present employer, I have um, a 401k. Would you recommend that I take that money, that retirement money just sitting there from the previous job and put it in the 401k that I presently have? Or would would you uh, recommend I invest it in something else? It depends. Uh, You have three choices. You can leave the money where it is. You can roll the money over to your new employer's plan. Or you can roll the money over to an IRA. Of those three choices... We're not a big fan of leaving the money with the old 401k. And the reason is very it's simple. Not, it's not a 401k, but it's a retirement. Um, well, whether it's it doesn't really matter what kind it is, whether it's a pension program, a 401k, 403b, 457, thrift savings plan, okay. whatever it happens to be at your old employer, we're not big fans of leaving it where it was. And there's a real simple reason for that. Most workers have four or five jobs over their career. In fact, they are projecting that millennials are going to have 10 to 15 jobs over the course of their career. You just end up with all this paperwork. You'd have all these little accounts at all these former employers, and you'll probably lose track of them over time because you're going to move three or four or five times over the years, and you'll just lose literally track of these accounts and lose the money along with it. The paperwork grows. It becomes burdensome. It doesn't improve investment returns. It doesn't save you any money. So we would encourage you to consolidate, to put the accounts into one place together. It makes it so much easier to manage. You'll be able to produce better investment results because you'll be able to treat the money holistically creating a better asset allocation. It just makes an awful lot of sense. So the real question becomes, should you put it to your new 401k, where you now work, or should you move it over to an IRA? And the answer there becomes a real simple one. Does the money in the, the investment choices in your 401k offer you sufficient diversification options? And are they cheap? Many 401k plans still to this day, it's astonishing, David, how expensive so many of the 401k plans remain when there are far lower investment choices available in the marketplace. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the and the one thing I would also say, it's not just the fees, because we, as we know, we've seen 401k plans where the fees can be one and a half to two percent annually. And, and yet people think that those 401k plans are actually free. They're not free. There's management fees in those 401k plans. But I would also want to look at the issue of the beneficiaries, because often 401k plans have limited beneficiary options. 
And if you have children, it's possible that your 401k plan will only offer a spousal beneficiary. Whereas if you have an IRA rollover and you roll the money into an IRA account, you can have what's called contingent beneficiaries, and you can have beneficiaries for your children or a trust for your children. So um, usually in my experience, like eight, nine out of ten times, Rick, I recommend the IRA rollover, but we need to know his specific situation. And I would say our experience has been the same, David, that uh, generally speaking, we find that the investment choices in the 401k are limited. They're often very expensive. The bureaucratic limitations are often uh, onerous. And for all those reasons, moving the money to an IRA is the better option, where we can provide very low-cost investment uh, options. So it does make sense to evaluate carefully the choices available to you, Fred, that are in your retirement plan at work. And we can compare them to what's available to you outside the plan to help you figure out which is the best course of action. So uh, we've got offices uh, in and around Baltimore, so feel free to call us during the week at 888-PLAN-RICK. I will. We'd be happy to look at your uh, 401k uh, options and tell you which is the best course of action for you. Because I have a little piece of stock, too. I was thinking about pulling it out of there and buying more of the stock that I already have. Well, let's... I took a beating on that a couple of years ago. BG&E lost three, uh, three quarters. I don't know what it was. Something ridiculous. Well, be careful. Yeah, it's remember. not a question, Fred, of what stock to buy. The real question is evaluating what's appropriate, what's in your best interests from a financial planning perspective. There are 7,000 stocks publicly traded in the United States, and you really want to try to tell me that you have decided which of those 7,000 stocks is the best one for you to be investing your retirement savings in? So let's evaluate the investment opportunities from a risk perspective, a cost perspective, a tax perspective, and a goal perspective, because that's what really proper investing is all about, helping you achieve the goals that you've laid out for yourself and your family. So give us a call. We'll help you figure it all out so that you're making the decisions that are in your best interest. And we're happy to help you. Triple H Plan Rick. We have offices not far from you, ready to help you as well. We're headed off to uh, Virginia now. We're talking with Bob. He's in Dumfries. Welcome to the program, Bob. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Rick. Um, got a question for you on retirement and uh, using the um, the big brokerage houses. Um, you know, they have the management services and uh, different plans that they offer and things like that. Right. Is, is, is that like going to, like, Best Buy or Costco to do your financial <laughs> plan? Merrill Lynch, is that equal to Best Buy? That's a great <laughs> analogy. Oh, I'll tell you how I frame it. Um, Merrill Lynch, we all love to pick on Merrill Lynch. They've got uh, 15,000 brokers, uh, and they're doing 15,000 different things. And and Merrill's attitude has been that uh, as long as you are ethical, as long as you aren't breaking the law, um, they don't really care what product you're selling. So one broker at Merrill is selling stocks. Another guy is trading options. A third guy is offering muni bonds. Somebody else is selling annuities. Uh, they're all doing different things. In other words, Merrill's like a hospital. You can go to the greatest hospital in the world, but if your surgeon is a klutz, you die anyway. So it isn't Merrill that matters, so to speak. It's who's the broker at Merrill who's handling your account. That's what really matters because there isn't any continuity at Merrill Lynch from one broker to the next. So different clients 
at Merrill Lynch will have vastly different experiences because of the right. service they're getting from the advisor, the advice they're getting, the recommendations they're getting, and so on. So if you're going to go to Merrill, you probably have to interview all 15,000 of their brokers <laughs> to be able to figure out which one is the one who's right for you. As opposed to a financial planning firm like ours, where all of our advisors in our firm are working uniformly. The philosophy is identical. The methodology is identical. The experience is identical. The recommendations are identical. So the client results are going to be identical. Other than the timing, you know, of, did you invest in April? Another guy invested three years ago, et cetera. But the portfolios uh, and the strategy behind the portfolios is uniform throughout the firm. We like to refer to ourselves as sort of like the Starbucks model of investing. You can go to any Starbucks in the country and you know what your experience will be like. The coffee will be the same. The store will be the same. The, the uh, helpfulness of the staff will be the same. And that confidence level makes it very easy for you to go into a Starbucks, even if you're in a city you've never been in before. So you want to look at it from that perspective. What is it I'm going to be getting? How is that service going to be delivered? How do I know it's going to be consistent from one person to the next? Uh, and so on. So use that as the basis of your interviewing activities when you're seeking to hire an advisor. To help you on this, go to my website at rickedelman.com or read my book, The Truth About Money. We offer 18 questions that you should ask prospective financial advisors before you hire them. And these questions are designed to help you understand what are the fees they charge, what are the services, what is their style of investing, what is their background, and more. All of it so that you see the questions to ask and what the answers ought to be so that you're conversational when interviewing an advisor so that when you interview two or three, you can compare notes. Because until you talk to the second candidate, you don't know if the first candidate is good or bad. So it's it, you know, treat it like if you're buying a car or a washing machine. You know how to be a good shopper. Do the same thing when hiring an advisor. Okay, well, thank you very much, Rick. You're, okay. ver you're very welcome. I look forward uh, to helping you out on that. And if we can, call us at AAA Plan Rick. Interview us. As you interview others, comparison shop. You know how to do it with washing machines. You can do it as well with your financial advisor. I'm Rick Edelman. We'll be back with more of your telephone calls with my special guest, the Vice Chairman of Edelman Financial Services, financial educator extraordinaire, David Bach. Stay with us for more. More with the author of the number one national bestseller, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here with my special guest, David Bach, the new vice chairman of my company, Edelman Financial Services. David's joining forces with me so that we can deliver more and more financial education to you, not only via this radio show and television shows, but also through the Internet and lots of seminars. We do about 600 seminars a year now. And now with David, we're going to be probably doing twice as many as that starting uh, in 2015 on a wide variety of personal finance subjects with a heavy emphasis on retirement and a lot of subjects for women, uh, for all the reasons we've talked about on the program here today. I want to share with you the results of a survey from TIAA Craft. Two-thirds of the women polled say they find it hard to know what sources to trust when searching for a financial advisor. 39%, in fact, say it's also hard to find the time 
to find a financial advisor. Well, hello, I'm standing right here. Seriously, women who get financial advice say that they are much more likely to feel confident and informed about retirement planning and retirement savings. In fact, they are 50% more likely to feel that way. So they truly get the value and the benefit. And in fact, 87%, virtually all of them, say they took positive steps for their personal finances after getting advice. So if you've been putting it off... Now's the time to get your act into gear. It's coming toward the end of the year. It's your wonderful opportunity to get it all in place before the year ends. Set yourself up for a New Year's resolution to start the new year off right. If you don't know where to turn for a financial advisor, give us a call, 888-PLAN-RICK, or visit us online at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Just click that red button. I'm going to talk to an advisor, and my colleagues and I here at Edelman Financial will be happy to help you too. 888-PLAN-RICK. RiceStellman.com. We're heading back to the phones. Al is in D.C. Welcome to the program, Al. How are you? Uh, hi, Rick. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. How can I help? Uh, I have a quick question for you. I have a piece of investment property. Um, it was formerly my condo that I was living in, um, and I'm debating whether or not to sell it. Uh, this current situation is as I'm typically losing about 75 bucks a month on the rent, but on tax write-offs because of the mortgage and being able to write off the condo fees, I'm probably making about 125 a month. Um, kind of depending on tax write-offs, sort of to make the money on investment properties seems probably like a really bad strategy. Yeah. So <laughs> you didn't need to call me well, and tell me that. You've already figured that no, that's out. True. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's true. I guess the issue here is I will probably take. I will definitely, when I sell it, I will probably lose money compared to what I paid for it. Yeah. But so, I don't put any more cash forward. But yeah. it still seems like just kind of cut losses and call it a day seems to be the best strategy. Yeah. You're, are you looking for me to confirm that for you? Consider um, it, consider no, it confirmed. It's... No, let's put it this way. You bought the condo because you were living in it. It was your residence, right? Correct. And Correct. then you moved out of the condo and moved somewhere else, yes? Precisely. And you said to yourself, instead of selling the condo, I'll turn it into a rental. Right. And you're discovering that... <laughs> Rentals oh, have tenants. <laughs> <laughs> and tenants are well, like... Yeah, they, they're worse than ex-girlfriends. I mean, so they're just... Or ex-boyfriends. They're just really... Ugh. Um, they call you at 3 in the morning because there's something that went wrong with the oven. They um, they don't pay the rent on time. They trash the property. Uh, they, it just It's a nuisance. And you're discovering you're not making a whole lot of money doing this, and it's a big distraction anyway. Right? This is all the stuff going through your right. head, right? Uh, and I'll take um, it a step. I'll yeah, take well, Go ahead. I say, at least I like it on my tenant. My tenant actually left my property cleaner than when I gave it to them. So wow. I, well, go get that tenant back. Forever. Um, because that's, yeah, exactly. a, that's a great and rare tenant. So what it comes down yeah. to is this. You are engaging in something that is known in the behavioral finance circles as anchoring. You had a condo, so you said to yourself, I might as well rent it. As opposed to, if you didn't already own the condo, I don't believe you would have bought it for the purposes of renting it out. Right? No, that's correct. That's correct. If you weren't going to do this independently then there's no reason to do it now. You're right. It's it's not necessarily making the huge kind of profit you want it to make. It's a distraction. It's a liability financially. Uh, there's no particular upside to maintaining it. So you're right. Your your thought process is correct, and I am able to confirm what you've been thinking. 
sell it. Get rid of it. Move on with your life. Sounds like a deal to me. Okay. Thanks, Rick. Glad I was able to help. You know, uh, David, the most common place we see this happening is inheritances. Mom and dad die. They leave the house to their kid. And the kid says, oh, I'm going to rent it out. Well, if mom and dad had left you cash, would you have used the cash to buy that house and rent it out? No. The only reason you're thinking of it is because you happen to already own it. That's anchoring. Don't allow anchoring to cause you to make bad financial decisions. I inherited stock from my father. I can't sell the stock. My father would be terribly upset if I he'd he'd roll over in his grave. My daddy worked for that company for 40 years. He accumulated all this stock working there, and now that he's died, he's left me that stock. I can't sell that stock. I got news for you. The only reason your father didn't sell the stock is because of taxes. Right. He'd be a, he'd be thoroughly astonished that you're not selling this stock. He wanted to sell it for decades, and he couldn't because he had to pay taxes. But you get it as an inheritance. You don't have to pay any taxes. It's not diversified. It's highly risky. Doesn't pay much in the way of a dividend. Sell it. Move on in your life. Don't fall victim to anchoring. This also goes back to holistic planning, which which you've done for so many years, which is asking the question, what do you really want, right? So it was very clear in his, in this gentleman's case, he was not actually looking to get into the real estate investment business. This was just one property that he had held on to. And as you point out so well, it's taking time away from other things that he's doing. If he had said, you know what, I want to own 10 of these properties. Well, that's a whole different conversation. Right. We have a lot of clients, very successful real estate investors. Let's face it. There's more than one way to get rich in this country, and real estate is one of them. We know for sure that some of the wealthiest people in America have accomplished it through real estate investing. And guess what? Not a single one of them did it by owning a rental condo. They might have owned several dozen condo buildings. They might own a series of strip mall shopping centers. They might own a whole bunch of office towers in Manhattan. But you know what? Nobody gets rich by owning a single condo. So you're right, David. If you want to engage in real estate investment, then act like a real estate investor and diversify. You need to own, just like you would own a lot of stocks, you need to own a lot of real estate. And that means you have to understand that real estate is not really real estate investing. I think that's a non sequitur, David. I don't think there's any such thing as real estate investing. I think there's such a thing as real estate business. Because with real estate, you have to manage the property. You have to maintain the property. You have to deal with taxes and maintenance and repairs and insurance. You have to attract tenants. You have to do all the upkeep. You need to do the bookkeeping. Oh, my goodness gracious, yes. I mean, nobody calls me at 3 a.m. because something went wrong with my mutual fund. That's exactly right. So if you're going to treat real estate correctly, treat it as an investment. Lots of people do that very, very successfully. But those who just poke at it, Well, they usually discover that it doesn't work out very well. Just as those who poke at stocks. Yeah, I bought a stock once. Didn't do very well. Well, that's not investing in the stock market. You either got to do it or not. Our attitude is you should do it, but just make sure you do it correctly. And it begins with education. And that's why, David Bach, I'm so thrilled that you're here at Edelman Financial Services we welcome you with big open arms and a huge hug. We well, know- Rick, I'm, I'm cutting you off for everything, but, but I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. And this is fun to do the first show together with you. It is very exciting, and we are going to see you on the seminar circuit. We're going to be doing videos together and audios, lots of web materials to provide you the financial education you need to achieve your family's financial goals.
I'll be back with you again next week for another edition of The Truth About Money. Thanks for joining us this holiday weekend, this Thanksgiving. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation with David Bach. You'll be hearing a lot more from David as we enter 2015. The seminar David put together, Smart Women Finish Rich, will be back. You'll be hearing a lot more about that in weeks to come. If our show today has prompted any questions from you or members of your family, give us a call and ask us about them. Call Monday or anytime during the week at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. Or visit us at ricebellman.com. Enjoy your holiday weekend. We'll see you next week. Truth about money every weekend on the Rick Edelman Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.